Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. I hope everybody had a really good weekend. Um, kind of another unusual weekend. If you're a Texas Tech football fan, there were no, there was no football on Saturday. We ended up getting it on Thursday, and we're going to talk about that today, along with some other uh, big news this week. We're going to dissect two schedules. We're going to dissect the Texas Tech um, future Big Twelve football schedules, and we are also going to look at the baseball schedule that dropped this week. Well, let's jump right into it, and let's uh, start with kind of a, a recap of the Texas Tech TCU game on Thursday. Tech gets the win, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Now, here here's something I will say, and I guess I'm a little bit more of a Susie Sunshine. There was a lot of people on, uh, on the social media podcast realm almost acting like Tech lost the game. Um, a lot of people unhappy with the, some of the decision-making and that it was that close. And I get that, um, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the decision-making here in a minute. But here's my attitude, especially with this year. A win's a win, and especially a win over TCU, which you have not done since 2018. You have not beaten them at home since 2013. So I'm I'm going to take it for what it is. This is a, is a, is a good win. Does it really change the trajectory of the season? That's TBD, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about that this week against Kansas. Um, You know, I thought overall, you know, offense, uh, world of difference. When you you have Baron Morton in there, a more seasoned veteran, I I thought the offense played uh, really strong overall. You know, obviously no turnovers. They, you know... Got you know, pick their spots, move the chains. Didn't see a lot of the tempo, tempo, and I'm hoping that means that we're moving away from that because I do think that this offense flows better when you're not trying to do the whole uh, no huddle stuff. Um, so it that that would be that would be my um my my thoughts on the offense. Um, defensively, you had some struggles. You know, um, TCU was able to poke some holes in your defense and, and, and score. Um, this isn't a, this isn't a great defense, but this is not, you know, your Texas tech defenses that we saw, you know, when Mahomes was there or, you know, when, when Cliff was, was, you know, uh, stock, uh, stock in the sidelines, I think they are a little bit better. I think, um, you've got some playmakers and certainly, you know, you had rabbit make the uh, interception at the end of the game. Um, I think that's the key really for success for this defense is they've got to produce more takeaways and that when they don't produce those takeaways, that's when you have some struggles and, and teams are able to poke, uh, poke holes in the defense. Um, now let's talk about some of the, you know, calls. Uh, obviously there was a lot of, uh, a lot of disdain about the going for it on fourth down early in the second half uh, when you were, I think you were on your own 35. Um, here's the thing. I, I get, I get it. Um, I, I personally, I think Joey has to t- turn, turn down a notch, the analytics on the fourth down stuff. Um, I, but I don't think he needs to go completely the other way and always punt. I, I, I think again, I think it's gotta be, you know, and Ryan Hyatt talks about gut analytics. I think you got to do a little bit more of that. And I think there are, there are appropriate times to go for it on a fourth down, um, you know, even with, when it's within your own territory. It wasn't appropriate then 
uh, you know, you were kind of clinging, you were clinging, clinging to a, uh, I think you were, you were tied at the time. Um, you also have Austin McNamara, who probably is one of, if not the best punter in the country. Um, you really effectively used him as a weapon against Baylor multiple times in that game where you didn't go for it on fourth down. You kind of let Dave Aranda go for it on fourth down a lot to uh, zero success. And then you you would use Austin McNamara to punt the ball away and, and pin them deep. And so I, I think you have to pull the field position game out of your toolbox a little bit more, um, especially with this team right now. I, I just I don't think your defense is strong enough to expect them to stop them when you give it back to them on your own 35. I think that's that's not fair to the defense. Um, so that would be something I you know I would comment on. Again, though, here's the thing. A lot of those fourth downs last year worked. This year, not so much. So it's just it's the pendulum swing. You know, do I do I think Joey McGuire made this game a little bit too close with his coaching decisions? No, not really. I think, you know, again, um, I, th- I think I think TCU and, and you uh, and Tech are both fairly even teams. That's not necessarily a good thing. And, you know, Tech, I think, is a little bit better this year. Does that portend to a bowl berth? I don't know. That's the whole – that's what we're going to be figuring out uh, coming up this week against Kansas. I don't see TC. I don't see a pathway for TCU to go to a bowl game. You know, they still have uh, Texas and Oklahoma on the schedule. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to to get themselves uh, to that six and six mark. Now, let's talk Tech's bowl chances. I think it all comes down to this week. I, I think if you if you are able to get the win in Lawrence this week, I think you get you can get yourself to six and six because I, I do think you beat I I do think you beat UCF in Lubbock. Um, I would love my heart tells me one thing, but my head tells me another. I would love to beat Texas and Austin. I just don't think you will. And, um, I, you don't need to go in to that game in Austin with bowl eligibility on the line. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of weird to think about that you have to uh, Kansas is a must win game and it's not and it's not one that it's not a normal Kansas game where you just check it off and say oh yeah we'll be Kansas it's going to be a dogfight um you know this is a very good Kansas team you know, they're 7 and 2 on the season win over Oklahoma they're a very strong team and and you're going to have to you're going to have to bring it i think this team is a lot i think this Texas Tech team is a lot better than the 4 and, and 5 record indicates the question is, are you as good as this Kansas team? And we'll find out on Saturday um, because, yeah, I, I, I truly think this Saturday determines your bowl eligibility. Now, if we lose Saturday, am I going to still watch the other two games? Absolutely, because I love tech football. Um, is this a fire Joey McGuire if we lose Saturday? No, because I think you look at, and again, you had a, some great off-the-field news yesterday with a commitment for the 2025 class, a four-star quarterback from Hitchcock. Um, he's, he's going out there, and he's getting talent. Um, they're, just, they're just not integrated on the field yet, and, and you're, you're, still, you're still utilizing a lot of your talent, the leftover, and, and, and I hate to use that word leftovers because it, it sounds like I'm being derogatory towards the current players, uh, and I'm not, but... I think the talent talent gap is still there 
from your recruiting woes that you had for the past 10 years under both Cliff and Wells. And I think you're, that's what you're seeing on the field. Um, and, and you just kind of, ho- you kind of hope these great recruiting classes coming in do pay dividends. And, and I think that Joey McGuire is, he's winning off the field with recruiting your hope. And, and he won on the field last year, lest we forget, you know, everybody wants to, uh, you know, roast him and his coaching staff this year. You went eight and five last year with wins over Texas and Oklahoma, um, this year it's been it's been rough. Now part of it the reason it's been rough is you've again gone through three quarterbacks, which good thing we're getting another we're we're bringing another quarterback recruit uh, with this twenty five class and you got Will Hammond coming in because uh, you know you just don't know. I mean at some point I I hope Texas Tech gets to gets on the other side of luck with QBs. You know I mean I remember the good old days with the uh, Leach and you know the first part of Cliff's Cliff's uh, well, when Mahomes was here. And really, even when um, oh, what was his name? Holy cow! The guy after Mahomes, uh, shoot, brain fart. Um, I'll have to look that up real quick. Oh, the seeds, the Chris Carpenter show. Um, you know he, for for as much maligned as that quarterback was, the the one after Patrick Mahomes, he was healthy all year long and got you to a bowl game. So it, it's one of those deals that. They just have not had they've not had the luck um, with the quarterback position that they they have needed, and that's that's kind of been kind of been rough. Okay, uh, well, hold on, I'm looking up right now. It's gonna be like the last one, Nick Shimanek. There we are, Nick Shimanek. How could I forget him? Um, and he frustrated the heck out of me that year. But I, you look at the numbers he put up. I take I take another Nick Shimanek season because. Part of it with him, it wasn't just on him. You know, you had bad defense. You had the good old bad cliff defenses that couldn't, you know, stop anybody. But um, so, yeah, I mean, bottom line, I don't think this program is a dumpster fire right now. You may not go to a bowl game, and that that's okay for this year. That's okay for this year because, um, I, I mean, what – even if you go 6-6, six and six, you're probably going to end up like in the Armed Forces Bowl, which is at TCU playing, you know – UTSA or Louisiana, and you. What if you lose that game? I mean, that would be kind of rough. So I, I, it's not the end of the world if this program doesn't go bowling this year, um, because I do think better days are ahead. Uh, bottom line, um, as far as the rest of the Big Twelve, thank you, Pokes. Go Pokes. That's the only time I probably ever. Well, in, until they play Texas in the Big Twelve championship game. Go Pokes. Thank you for beating Oklahoma. It pretty much ensures we will not have a Red River shootout Big 12 championship game, which is that is the ultimate nightmare. Now we need somebody to beat Texas. I don't know if that will happen, though, because they, I mean, their schedule is cake, I think, the rest of the way out. Um, I mean, it it would be awesome if Texas Tech is the team to do that. Uh, My heart says maybe. My head says that probably won't happen. But yeah, Texas's schedule is pretty much cake the rest of the way. They've got TCU next week. They'll beat them very easily. They got Iowa State. Now that could be, let's root for really bad wintry weather. It's going to be on a Saturday. Make that a night game, Ames. Jack Trice Stadium. That could be a trap game possibly, but I still think they probably win. And then they have uh, Tech. So their pathway to the Big 12 championship seems to be pretty clear. 
I hope not. Joey, pull a rabbit out of your hat if we need to on Black Friday. Um, so beyond that, though, Oklahoma, and I got to give flowers to Oklahoma State, and I got to give flowers to Alan Bowman because I really, truly thought Oklahoma State would be the uh, – they would kind of be near the bottom where, you know, Tech and Baylor and Houston are – well, Baylor and Houston specifically more than Tech um, are this year. And they've put it together. And, and, and I'm, I'm happy for Alan Bowman. I've said it before on this podcast. I don't understand some of the tech fans' vitriol towards Alan Bowman. Um, he seemed like a really nice guy that just had horrible luck at tech with injuries. And so we're not playing Oklahoma State this year. So I wish him the best in all of his games, you know, and kudos to him. I, and man, Mike Gundy was left for dead at the beginning of this season, especially when they lost to South Alabama. I mean, dude. There was message board chatter that the entire Oklahoma State team was going to enter the transfer portal, and look at them now. I mean, they they have a solid shot to play for a Big 12 championship in the Big 12 championship game. I mean, if I had a vote, Coach of the Year, I'd give it to Mike Gundy, uh, certainly, um, for sure, Uh, He for, for what they've had to go through, you know. Kansas State made a game of it, but couldn't get it done against Texas. Extremely disappointing. Um, you had the toilet bowl of Houston versus Baylor, and Tech fans, at least we're not Baylor fans. We'll just, <laughs> that, if that makes you feel better, um, because they've got major issues um, for sure. UCF, Cincinnati, I don't think either of them are very good. Cincinnati's worse. Kansas got the win. Iowa State, I mean, 28-21 seemed like a great win. Uh, the BYU loss from a couple weeks ago, I mean, that's just that might be the worst loss all year um, that Tech ha- has had because that's not a very good BYU team. But you were horrible that night too. Um, just off the, off the presses, by the way, if you're a gambling man, uh, Texas Tech opens as a three-point underdog versus Kansas on Saturday. I think that's pretty fair. Like I said, I, I think, you know, I, I would honestly lean Kansas right now just based on, you know, how, how they've done this year. You've, you've got history. You've got good history over Kansas, but, you know, good history is just that. It's good history. Um, you've got to go out and prove it. And, and I, think you got, I, think, I think it is going to be a pretty close game. Like I said, I think Texas Tech is better than that 4-5 and five record. Uh, when Morton is under center and when Morton is healthy uh, is, is going to be the key. And um, can you translate a pretty great offensive uh, win, um, pretty, pretty good offensive play to Lawrence? Can your defense play a little bit better? Because Kansas has got a pretty good offense. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting game. But, you know, like I said, I think bowl eligibility is going to be on the line um, at Kansas on Saturday. And it's an 11 a.m. one. First 11 a.m. of the season, so... We'll see. We'll see how that translates out. Um, like I said, basically the I think the Big Twelve. I, I think Texas. It's it's looking like it's going to be Texas and Oklahoma State. Go Pokes! That's all I have to say about that. You did have um, announcement this week of the upcoming Big Twelve football schedules um, with the new teams in. Now, some interesting observations. First of all. You don't have um, any sort of protected rivalry that is um, going to be – you're going to basically be playing every year. And I know um, some Tech fans are not real happy about that. 
I get it. I, I love, you know, I know some people think the saddle, the whole battle for the saddle is cheesy. I'm all about the cheese rivalry trophies. I, I love, let's, let's have more rivalries. TCU t- Tech, let's keep the saddle. Tech and Baylor, it's the butt bowl. Let's, you know, have some sort of trophy. Um, Tech and Houston, battle of East Texas versus West Texas. Tech and Oklahoma State should be a rivalry of some sort. But anyway, um, here's the thing, though. You do play a lot of those teams multiple years in a row. Um, you know, looking at next year, you've got uh, – your home slate will include Arizona State, Baylor, Cincinnati, Colorado, West Virginia. I think probably what stands out is that Colorado game. You're going to probably – you're going to get Coach Prime coming to Lubbock. That'll be fun. I think the Arizona State game should be a fun one as well. And that's I think that's going to be a rivalry along with Arizona that you can um, you can foster. Um, your away games next year, you've got Arizona, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Uh, pretty interesting away slate. The next year, home, this is 2025, uh, your home slate is BYU, Kansas, Oklahoma State, UCF that is kind of that is kind of a rough home schedule. I need to look up. I do believe you do get Oregon State coming in that year for um, a non-con. Now, how good will they be? Probably in a being moved into the Mountain West type game. Do you keep that game, um, or will there? Well, I think you do keep that game, um, but um, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a weak home schedule beyond having Oklahoma State um, come in. But who knows? Um, you know, UCF, I think UCF is going to be a team that can kind of pull themselves out of the cellar quicker than some of the newcomer Big 12 teams. You know, BYU, we'll see. I think they can get better. Kansas, will Lance Leipold still be there? I don't know. Um, your road schedule for 2025 is Arizona State, Houston, Kansas State, Utah, West Virginia. So you do get uh, to go visit Utah. That'll be a fun Fun road trip. Uh, you go to Houston. That's the first time you will have played in Houston since, um, well, I assume you'll play at Houston's home stadium. I don't think you've ever – no, I take that back. I think you've played at their new stadium once um, since it opened, and I believe that was in 2017 or 18. No, I think it was 17. I think it was with Nick Shimanek. So uh, 2026 – you get Arizona, Arizona State, so you get both Arizonas at home. Houston, TCU, West Virginia, that's a really good home schedule. And I don't know what the non-con looks like that year. I'd have to go look that up. Um, that, like I said, I don't know the non. I don't know the non-con off the top of my head. I know you get, um, you got Oregon. You're going at Oregon next year, and then I know Oregon State's going to be coming in with a home and home uh, coming up, and and then I think you get Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State's in 2026, though. Um, and then your away games is Baylor, Cincinnati, Colorado. <laughs> you get to go to Colorado. Let's hope we can break that curse. And then Oklahoma State. And then finally, so you get Oklahoma State quite a bit on these on these schedules, but you don't get them in 2027. Your home schedule in 27 is Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State, Utah. Pretty decent home schedule. And then your away um, schedules, BYU, Houston, Kansas, TCU, UCF. So, I mean, ultimately, it, it seems like, again, no protected rivalries. You're basically, in the next four years, going to play every single Big 12 team. I do like that. Um, you know, I think one of the big issues I have with the SEC scheduling over the past few years 
has been the way that you've rotated the schedules has been kind of hinky. Texas A&M has never played Georgia in the SEC. And they, and they have now been in the SEC for over a decade now. Was it 12 years? And you've not played one of the uh, conference opponents? Not a fan of that. Um, I do wish you would have maybe have had some sort of protected rival. And I know people say, well, Tech doesn't have a rival. We just need to get over it. I get that. But I also think you can gin up some rival rivalries. I think you can gin up – certainly I think you have rivalries with the Texas schools plus Oklahoma State. The Oklahoma State one feels a little bit more one-sided. I think Tech wants that rivalry. Oklahoma State not so much. I think you can have uh, some rivalries with Arizona and Arizona State as well um, in this new Big 12. But, I, I mean, I think overall I think they did a good job. Divisions wasn't going to be a – I don't think divisions would have worked. You could have gone with the quads system, but then again, the question would have been who you're going to put in what quad. Um, that you know, I saw one projection where you would put, you know, Tech, TCU, Baylor with Oklahoma State in a quad. If you did that, then you're shipping Houston East, um, or if you put all Texas schools in a quad, that's multiple issues. Number one, you you, you then have a whole group of four in the Big 12 that don't come to Texas, which I don't think that would have been palpable for them for recruiting purposes. So I think they did I think they did the best that they could. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for these teams to come in and be playing uh, conference play. Um, Colorado coming back into the conference. I think it'll be fun. And, you know, I think the Big 12 is going to be a great conference. Are they going to be perceived as a strong conference? No. I mean, it's going to still be all about the SEC and the Big 10. But, you know, I think I think the Big 12 can kind of plant themselves as as the most entertaining conference, um, because I think those other conferences ha- are very top heavy and they've got s- some really, really bad, bad, bad teams at the bottom. And I don't think I don't think the Big 12 will be like that. I think they're going to be a v- lot more competitive week in and week out. So let's shift gears. And I want to talk a little bit about the tech baseball schedule, which got released this week. Um, probably the biggest standout to me is you aren't playing every conference opponent. Um, you're playing 10 of the 12. You will not play Cincinnati and Kansas state this year. The Kansas state one is disappointing just because I, I think you, you know, that that's been a really great um, series that you've had with them. And I personally would have preferred if you had played everybody, because I think that helps your. Um, your RPI. Do they, I don't know. Do they still call it RPI in baseball? I, they whatever that measurement is for um, you know the NCAA tournament purposes, which that's been. I mean, that's been a big uh, issue that Tech has run into um, in the past few years um, because of their scheduling. I think there. I think it's worth it more, even if you have to start conference play early to play everybody in conference than to play some of those. You know kind of weaker opponents. Um, you are playing your first five games in Arlington, home of the World Series champions. I can't believe that's real either, Texas Rangers. Um, you're starting with a tournament uh, where you will you'll play. I mean, this is gonna be pretty this is gonna be a pretty interesting run here. Tennessee, Nebraska, and Oregon. Um, all three very uh, valid I really am a little bit disappointed Tennessee's on that Friday because I kind of want to maybe possibly head out to that to those games. I'd love to see Tech and Tennessee play, but um, 
obviously those are going to be some three strong games. You end up staying in Arlington, and you'll be playing um, UT Arlington and then Oregon State, another very strong opponent. They're always really good in baseball every year. So I, I think that's pretty great uh, first five games. You'll then return to Dan Law Field uh, with a series against Texas Southern. Um, you then have another series the next week against Gardner-Webb. Again, those two could have been opportunities where you could have put in a Cincinnati and a Kansas State. I get it. You want to have some tune-up series. I just hope it doesn't hurt you ultimately in the RPI. Uh, you're still playing New Mexico. Why? I don't know. Uh, then you open up Big 12 play against Texas, which at at the at Rip Griffin Park, Dan Law Field, those, that series should be rocking. It'll be sold out. It's going to be insane. It'll be fun. Great series coming, coming your way there. Uh, you have a midweek against New Mexico State. Then you play Baylor at Waco. Um, should be a win. Baylor was horrible last year in baseball. You get ACU at Dan Law. Again, let's hope they can get something done there. Then BYU. Uh, you get a BYU, and that will be a Thursday uh, Friday, Saturday schedule. You have a couple Thursday, Friday, Saturday schedules, um, so no Sunday games. That's kind of interesting as well. Um, that'll be fun, um, getting a new opponent in. Stephen F. Austin, you get them in a midweek. Then you go to Orlando and play UCF. That's going to be another Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then you follow it up with two games at the law against Stanford. I guess that's kind of your return series for you going all the way over there next year. Very good midweek series there. Uh, then you get Houston at home for a three-game series. Then you go back to Abilene and play ACU. Not a fan of that. Uh, then you get TCU, a three-game series in Fort Worth. And then uh, this, this is going to be a very interesting five-game swing. Three games against TCU and then two games in Fayetteville against Arkansas. You're going to learn a lot about this team. This is mid-April at this point. You get West Virginia at home for a three-game series. Then you go to New, then you play New Mexico, and then you finish. Or excuse me, you finish up the month of April in Lawrence against Kansas. You have UT Rio Grande Valley midweek. Then you get OU at home, followed by Oklahoma State at home, and then really interesting scheduling here. Uh, you're going to be playing in Tempe. You're going to be playing two games against Arizona State and then a game against UNLV. So I think overall this is a better schedule than you've had in recent years. I'm being nitpicky. Um, two things. I still think it, you're better served playing two more conference game, conference series, one against Cincinnati, one against Kansas State. I know Cincinnati's not that good in baseball, but – I still think they're going to be a little bit better than playing a Gardner-Webb or a Texas Southern. And certainly, I think Kansas State, you know, this was a team last year that probably should have gone to the NCAA tournament and didn't. Um, I would have loved to see those two on the schedule. And I think ultimately, and I know this is not because I'm living nearer to Amarillo, I would love for the Hodgetown game to come back. This is the second year you were not having the Hodgetown game. I just, I think there's a lot of benefit to Texas Tech bringing games when they can to other regions of West Texas. Um, you know, a few years ago, and I'm going to praise Beard here for a minute. I know, hard for me to do. But I really liked when they played in Midland. 
Um, I'd love for them to go back to doing that. And, you you know, it, it, it makes sense to do that now with McCaslin as the coach, a former Midland uh, College uh, basketball coach. Um, I'd love to see that happen. So that's kind of my nitpicky. They may have tried to make it happen and Oklahoma balked at it because it, it really probably is going to make the most sense if you're going to do a Hodgetown game to have um, an Oklahoma, uh, an Oklahoma State possibly. Um, you know, maybe Tulsa would be one or, um, you know, heck, Nebraska or how about a Creighton, uh, you know, but it could, could be one you could do. But I, I or Wichita State um, could be a possibility. I just think you really want to grow the Texas Tech brand, and I think you want to grow it in, in the West Texas. And just from what my observations, and this is just my observations this year, but even when I lived in the panhandle in the past, is – Texas Tech is not the dominant force that I think it should be in in the Amarillo Panhandle area, and so I think bringing bringing some games out here could be a benefit. Um, and I wish that, I wish they would go back to doing that. But they again, they may have tried and they just could not find a dance partner to do that. Um, you know, and I also appreciated a couple years ago when Christy. Uh, Christy, I was about to say Christy Curry, Krista Gerlich, um, brought the Lady Raiders to WT and played a game. I thought that was really cool. Um, so that would be just kind of something to think about. I don't know how, I mean, based on recruiting, this team obviously should be in play for postseason, potentially to Omaha, but you, you just never know, um, how, what that's going to look like and what, what they're going to, what they're going to do. But I think any, I think just based on talent wise on paper, Postseason should be should be the uh, the minimum norm, and then we'll kind of see what happens when they get there. So let's wrap up. We've got some. Let's wrap up with NFL thoughts. So Chiefs get the win today in Germany uh, early in the morning against uh, Miami. Very good win, especially after the Denver loss last week. I know a lot of people were kind of hitting the panic button. I really wasn't because at some point Denver was going to beat you. Um, it, I don't think it really had any sort of indication of, oh, you know, Kansas City's falling apart. I've seen this narrative, by the way, about, oh, you know, the Chiefs are bad because Matt Nagy is the offensive coordinator now. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I, I do think – I mean, I do think your receivers aren't as talented as you've had, you know, obviously, and so you've had those issues. Um, but I still think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be – I don't see – a lot of teams in the AFC that could beat them. Uh, Baltimore's looking good, but Baltimore hasn't beaten Kansas City in the playoffs yet. And so I'm going to be like Missouri and be like, you know, show me that you can win in the postseason, uh, Baltimore, before I crown them. Um, Miami, obviously, you beat them today. Uh, Buffalo has struggled this year. Uh, Cincinnati struggled this year. But, you know, Cincinnati, to me, this has kind of been their blueprint. They struggle early, and then they put it together Kind of looks like they may be doing that. I don't know. Um, but I still think it's the, a the AFC is the Chiefs to lose um, at this point. So Dallas, you've got an opportunity to maybe change a little bit of the narrative about you this, this week against Philadelphia because, yeah, you're really good at beating up bad teams like the Rams and the Jets and, you know, the Giants. But then when you play like real teams, like big boy teams like the 49ers, you're the one getting beat up. So you're playing a big boy team this week against Philadelphia and show me, show me that you're different because right now here, Cowboys, 
Jerry Jones, I know you listen to the Chris Carpenter show, Jerry. You are the poop in the punch bowl of Dallas-Fort Worth sports. Every other major sport in Dallas-Fort Worth has won a championship in more recent years than you. You don't have the excuse of the Rangers anymore because they've passed you. They've lapped you. The Mavericks, I know Mark Cuban's a bozo, but he's won a championship more recent than you. Stars have as well, and the Stars got to the Stanley Cup just fairly recently. Yeah, you're on the clock, Cowboys. So you got you got an opportunity to do, to show show some people this week. Um, I'm not a believer still, though. I think Philadelphia wins. Uh, <laughs> bottom line. So I hope everybody has a good week. Um, I truly do not know the podcast schedule for this. Well, I know I will have at least one podcast next weekend. Um. I don't know if I'll have two. I, I am in a wedding uh, next weekend. Shout out to Alan and Andrea getting married. So um, Friday night is is rehearsal stuff. And so I may or may not be able to record maybe late Friday night after that. If not, I will have I will lump together my Tech Kansas recap show in with um, the normal Chris Carpenter episode like we did this week. So you will you will get an episode next week. It just it's just a matter of will you get one or two is the question. So hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you next week for the Chris Carpenter show. Okay, so Chris Carpenter here. I'm an idiot, and I cannot believe that I completely forgot to talk about this. So I do want to spend a little bit of time, um, kind of talking about Bob Knight. Um, he only passed away on Wednesday. Um, it had been it been pretty well known that he, he um, health wise was not doing very well, you know. So honestly, not not a big surprise uh, that he passed away. Um, but I do want to kind of get my thoughts about Bob Knight. Um, obviously, as a Texas Tech fan, we know we know we know about Bob Knight. Had him, uh, he was the coach of uh, Texas Tech for almost seven years. So he resigned uh, halfway through his seventh season at Texas Tech. Um, so a couple things that kind of just, um, you know, always jumped out to me about him. He was pretty fiery, obviously. And, you know, he could be a bit of a bully at times. I remember, I remember the whole end of his tenure at Indiana and, you know, you had the, the expose about uh, the choking of the player, you had players coming forward, and I will tell you at the time, you know, I'm I'm a high school student at the time. I there was a part of me that thought, oh, you know, those those players have sour grapes. You know, they transferred away. Yeah, I think in hindsight now, there's there, certainly troublesome behavior. Um, but I, you know, the ultimate thing that ended up getting him fired was this interaction with a student. I still think Knight was was not in the wrong there. I think the student was acting like a jerk. Um, but neither here nor there. You know, he ends up at Texas Tech. And, you know, I've always been a big college basketball fan. You know, I was a big Bob Knight fan because, you know, he always he had a very close relationship with uh, the Bear, Don Haskins, you know, UTEP's uh, basketball coach. You know, and growing up going to UTEP games, you know, the way that Haskins – Coach, you know, Haskins wasn't fiery, but, you know, Haskins had this, had high expectations of his players and, 
you know, certainly when it came to defense, there was a high expectation. You know, the same was true about Coach Knight. And so I, I was really excited. You know, I moved to Lubbock right in 2001, uh, right when uh, Bob Knight's first year started. And so got to go to a couple of games uh, through throughout Coach Knight's tenure. Always fun to watch. And he always behaved himself typically on, uh, on the court uh, in Lubbock. I, there was one time he lost his shoe and got a technical foul. He stomped the floor and the shoe came off. And, you know, fans, tech fans loved the Bob Knight experience. And, you know, I, th- I think t- ultimately Texas Tech was was going to be the best fit for Bob Knight after, after everything that happened in Indiana. Um, you know, tech fans <laughs> have a track record of we, – we've – we enjoy quirky coaches and, you know, go back and look the early two thousands football. You had Mike Leach basketball. You had Bob. Knight. I mean, who else would have had that combination through the years? So, you know, what a, what a fun and, and really both. I mean, they're both quirky, but both different types of quirkiness. Um, you know, he was for the most part, Behaved pretty well, at, at, you know, while he was at Tech. You know, there was the incident where he threw the salad at the chancellor. <laughs> and I have been to that. That's that's actually my favorite Market Street. And ironically, that Market Street makes the best Caesar salads. It's on 50th, right by Monterey High School. So if you're ever in Lubbock, that's the Market Street to go to. Uh, but I, I remember that whole deal because... <laughs> I remember the local news. It broke in the middle of the day. It was like breaking news, Bob Knight. Incident with it. And then the more you like read about it, it was like this is the most this is the most bizarre thing ever. He's throwing salad and um and it really kind of becomes comical because I think that Chancellor he's in prison now. He he kind of committed some fraud. So it wasn't like he was Mr. Angel, but uh, beyond that, I don't remember a whole lot of like controversy that bubbled over and again Texas Tech and Tech fans we embraced that we embraced that whole you know uh Bob Knight quirkiness and um I think probably his biggest mistake at Tech was handing it over to Pat Knight um and I really I really don't want to like rip into Pat Knight right here um but I I just I think clearly he was not um he was not going to be a good fit to to take over the program and I and I also think ultimately I think Knight uh, coach Knight had a very limiting vision of the Texas Tech program um you know my goodness I'm gonna praise Chris Beard again Chris Beard you know I don't think ever I don't think Chris Beard ever had the attitude while he was the coach at Texas Tech that there was a limit to how high the how the high the ceiling was for this Texas Texas Tech basketball program, and I think it's ultimately why you ended up playing for a national championship because you know Be, you know Beard went out and got people and recruited people with that expectation in mind. I don't necessarily think Bob Knight had that same expectation of Texas Tech. Um, so, but having said that, you know he ended up staying in Lubbock for an, another decade after after um, he had retired and, you know, had a home in Lubbock. I think he loved Lubbock, and I, and I think be, I think it's because Lubbock has, and really West Texas, has a little bit more propensity to, you know, put up with, tolerate quirky people. I think that's why Leach was so successful here, and I think that's why Leach was so well-loved here. And, and again, 
two different types of quirkiness with Leech and Knight, but um, you know, I always I always respected uh, Bob Knight. I I know there were, he had he had his his warts, but I always respected him, and I've always respected his contribution to the game. I think something very significant about him never got caught cheating, never had an, a single NCAA infraction. I think that says a lot about the type of program that he ran. And then the, you talk to a lot of the players. Yeah, he was tough and mean, but he knew he loved them. They knew that he loved them, and they ended up growing up to be productive members of our society, which I think ultimately any educator of any level, that's what they want for the people for the people that they work with. So just wanted to kind of give those thoughts on Bob Knight. Um, you know, obviously prayers for his family. And, um, you know, I will always, we always will have the video clips. My favorite is the game face <laughs> when the coach, when the press asks about game faces. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, hope everybody has a great week and I will see you next week on the Chris Carpenter show.